0: hope. It's what military families need today. Join Hope for the Warriors once a month as we talk with America's heroes and those that support them. Through open conversations and honest dialogue, learn more about the topics that are most impacting the military community. Welcome to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. I'm Kate Dudley, a military spouse and your host. On this episode, we are diving into the world of health and fitness with none other than Emily Throckmorton, a powerhouse in the field of strength and conditioning. Emily is not just a fitness expert, she's the owner of an adaptive gym called Kaizen Athletics located in Virginia Beach. That is where she brings her passion for wellness to a whole new level. In today's episode, we'll explore the transformative power of adaptive fitness, learn about Emily's journey as a strength and conditioning coach and discover how she is making a positive impact on the lives of members of our military community. Emily, thank you so much for being on today and taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. You just came out of a polar plunge. Can you explain <laughs> to me like cuz you just told me you're you're located in Virginia Beach, correct? Yes, ma'am. And
1: and the funniest thing is, you know, we preach Mental toughness, we teach, you know, no excuse mentality here in Virginia Beach. And of course, today is one of our coldest days. It's 28 degrees. And I have a habit every single day I get in my cold plunge for five minutes, no matter what it is outside, no matter what the temperature is, you do the hard things. And today was no different. And I got in for five minutes and it was, you know, the first couple of minutes you're ready to kind of get out, but then you soak into the hard part of it. And next thing you know, five minutes is over and you're ready to hit the day. So I am, I, I preach habits and consistency and there's no difference from today or tomorrow or next week. So it definitely, I feel, I feel wired. I feel ready.
0: Well, if I'm ever down your way in Virginia beach, I'd love to try something like that. Yeah. I'll be honest. It's something I've never done and it sounds you know, it, it you can always try something new.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And the health benefits for it are through the roof. Um, not just like the mental health side of things because I think it's so beneficial there, but you're being sore or inflammation in your body or, you know, it, and as much as people want to get on tangents about how great it is for your body, which it is, I think it's more of that mental health side of things where you're like, I'm gonna do the hard thing today. And then the rest of the day will be easier.
0: So what is it that you do and how did you get into that field?
1: My name is Emily Throckmorton and I live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um I'm 32 years. I'll be 32 in April and my husband and I are actually expecting our first baby in oh, March. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And um so I am an in, in inclusive and adaptive coach. And basically the best way to describe an inclusive coach and and this goes in the strength and conditioning world is um, basically a coach that can work with any athlete that walks or rolls into their facility. So I pride myself in being able to work with any athlete, no matter if they're a spinal cord injury, an amputee, a stroke survivor, a wheelchair user, whatever it is, I pride myself in being able to adapt and modify for these athletes so that they get the best hour of their day, which is typically for all of us, that fitness hour. And so in 2020, I started my own adaptive training program here in Virginia Beach, and I have it inside of our gym. So we have a functional fitness gym located here at the oceanfront. And so we're just a few blocks away from the beach, which is really nice. Um, And we kind of grew up lifeguarding on the beach here. So the community is very wonderful. They're outdoorsy people. They all want to break a sweat and, you know, be together in this great little niche that we have here at the beach. And so I have my gym literally blocks back from the beach. And so I I feel very proud of where I am today, which is basically a nonprofit organization that works with adaptive athletes inside of our facility. And we provide an hour-long free functional fitness class for these athletes once a day, Monday through Thursday. So that's like, you know, the community donates to our program. We have grants, we have fundraisers, we have all these wonderful outpouring of support from all over the world and they want to see these athletes thrive so we could keep this program 100% free for these athletes Um, and of course why I'm here today is you know the veterans as well we want to give back to them as much as we can especially for those that are familiar with Virginia Beach we are a huge military community very very big So I know I have such a great outreach here to bring in as many adaptive athletes, whether they're wounded warriors or veterans, we provide this, um, functional fitness space for them for free.
0: That's amazing that it's free for yeah, uh, That's just amazing what you do and that the community supports this. Why did you decide to create this adaptive space? What inspired that decision?
1: So In 2020, I did a workout with a handful of wounded warriors at a local gym here, and we were doing a hero workout, which basically, this one was a 24-hour one. I did not stay for that long, (laughs) but I did stay long enough to work out with a handful of guys that were amputees, or whether that was a lower extremity or an upper extremity, And they had blades on, or they had different at the time in 2020, things were a little bit different. I think we're a little more sophisticated now, but with an upper extremity loss, they had chains or hooks around their, their amputated side. And they were deadlifting with me. And the gentleman with the blade who was an above the knee amputee, I'll never forget him. He was doing box jumps next to me in the workout. And he was running next to me in the workout. And he was doing all of these things where you know, going back to that mental toughness side, most people would find an excuse, Hey, I can't do this, which is not uncommon. It's not heard of, but we like to be around and we like to surround ourselves with people who have that no excuse mentality. So that's kind of how it kickstarted for me. I, I saw these guys doing these things that I hadn't really seen in the community before kind of unspoken about. And also in the military community, they have a lot of resources for wounded warriors, for instance. So they get a lot of special treatment, they get taken care of. And then you have kind of the adaptive community that probably doesn't get the same treatment. If you're not like an elite, you know, warrior, so to speak, or if you're on special forces, whatever it is. Um, So from there on out, I kind of, I wanted to fill that gap between the healthcare side of things and fitness, because there was nothing here for these individuals there was there was no gym for these athletes to go to there were no edu- there was no education for coaches strength and conditioning coaches to kind of really learn how to work with this clientele as well and so i went out to say hey i want to start a program that is free for these athletes to come in and i felt very comfortable working with this clientele so that when they came in and i earned their trust and it was a very safe environment you know obviously with adaptive athletes, these are individuals that have long-term physical or traumatic impairments. So the biggest thing is you cannot hurt these guys. That is that is the number one thing. Safety is so huge for us. So I wanted to create a place where basically, you know, they felt comfortable coming in knowing that I wasn't going to hurt them with the barbell, dumbbells, wall balls, slam balls, whatever it is. They're learning how to be in the fitness space again, but with someone who knows how to put them through these things. And so my very first adaptive athlete was a wounded warrior that was in the Marine Corps and he had a spinal cord injury and I worked with him. And the next thing I knew I had him squatting again. I had him doing box step-ups again, and he had a mobility dog that he would bring in with him. And it was just such a beautiful thing to watch them together and from there on out, it was word of mouth. It was, hey, go see Emily at Kaizen Adaptive Training because you are going to be able to regain your strength and independence post-physical or post-traumatic impairment. And from here, we have about 40 plus adaptive athletes that we work with. And I would say half of them are veterans or wounded warriors.
0: To see them actually succeed in that way and to be able to do those things that maybe a year or two years ago, they didn't think in a million years they could do those again. What does that mean to you?
1: I think it means to me that we need to fix the system because the problem is, is these individuals come into our gym saying, I cannot do this. My doctor told me I would never walk again. My, my doctor told me that, you know, I'll have a cane for the rest of my life, or I'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I think that's the problem. It's the system is needs to be And, and I understand both sides of it. A healthcare professional is going to take care of the problem at hand. They're going to fix the problem at hand, and then they're going to send you on their way, but there's never like a, what's next. So for me, I think where I feel the most joy and satisfaction is showing these individuals that you can do all of these things, just like you and I, it just may look a little bit different. Your squat may look a little bit different than us. Your deadlift's going to a little, you know, look a little bit different, but ultimately the stimulus is the same and i just feel so proud when they get to walk out and they're like wow i got to lift a barbell again for the first time in 5 years since i had my injury or whatever it is or i was able to pick up my child off the floor or pick up my bag of groceries or you know the simplest things that you and i feel like are the day to day you know activities of daily living that require us to live Seems so easy for us, for them, it might be really challenging. So when they come to me and they're like, wow, I was able to go throughout a day without having an emotional breakdown, or, you know, we work with a handful of veterans who have PTSD and TBIs. And one in particular, it has been the most incredible thing to watch him over the years grow because not only the physical side of things, but he used to come in. And the minute there were too many people in that room, or if he got startled by someone he didn't know, I mean, there could have been multiple different things that happened. He would have immediately left. He would have been unable to speak. He would have, you know, lost all control of that emotional control that we're always looking for. And now he can come to a workout with 30 other athletes in the room. He's social. He interacts with people. He you know, has his moments, of course, if somebody startles him and whatnot. But for the most part, his, his ability to handle being in a group setting is, I mean, it is incredible to see him grow in that aspect. So I just feel very proud. And um, I feel like we have so much room to grow. And we have so many people that we can touch and so many people that we can change their lives for the better. Um, so I think for me it's just it's just knowing that these individuals are now living a more sustainable life with more independence. And I think that's what it comes down to is we all want to be independent. We don't want to ask for help. And I truly believe the gym setting is where you learn how to be independent.
0: I completely agree with you a hundred percent. One thing you said earlier is you're so comfortable with working with this population, working with adaptive athletes. What about your background led you to this point?
1: I would say, um, you know, my parents put us in sports, any sport that we wanted to be in from a very, very young age. And I, I'm very thankful for that because it taught me the team aspect. It taught me, you know, how to be hard, how to, you know, show up even when you didn't want to those, you know, 5am swim, swim lessons or whatever it was, you know, it teaches you character. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, But I would say that my strength and conditioning career really started when I was in high school. I wanted to always be at the gym. And I was always the individual that if I got hurt or injured, I would always work through it. I would say, you know, I can do this instead. Or if I'm, you know, if I had a broken leg, I would adjust and adapt and I would still be able to do what I wanted to do, but it would just look a little bit different. So it kind of started at an earlier age for me, um, but my career really didn't take off until about 2016 when uh, my now husband, he opened up a CrossFit gym and I was his head coach there. And that's really when I got to see individuals come in with all sorts of aches and pains and, you know, the, oh, this hurts, that hurts, whether it's an acute injury or in a long-term injury, I was able to modify and adapt for them right off the bat there was no hesitation. And I think people get very nervous about injuries. You know, sometimes I think we've all been told, Oh, just rest, elevate it. Don't do anything to it. Just stay at home or whatever it is. And I think nowadays we're a little more educated to know actually movement is what gets us off our feet. It gets us moving better. It gets us feeling better and ultimately helps healing that process. You know, even when I was early on in my career, I would be in a boot for some reason or whatever it was. And I would be doing wall ball shots on my knees or, you know, rowing with a boot on putting my foot on a little skateboard and still rowing. So, I mean, there were so many things, but you just have to be creative. And I think where I was very blessed is um, when I first started the adaptive program, I thought it would just be amputees. That was kind of my passion project Now it's kind of moved to spinal cord injuries, a lot of wheelchair users, and I've been very blessed to have the support from our local healthcare professionals. So our physical therapy departments, our medical students, our medical providers, they are very well our program is very well known to them at this point so they send us their patients which is mind blowing to me because i do not have a physical therapy background i am not an occupational therapist it's uh it's definitely eye opening to me that it's not necessarily the letters behind your name it is the the experience the hands-on coaching the the safety aspect and basically someone just trusting you with their bodies i would say is a huge thing But I I will say that I have kind of gone down the rabbit hole of all things adaptive training. So I've gotten my inclusive and adaptive training certification through the American sports of medicine. That's a, that's a pretty big one for me. And then actually I just, um, finished my own educational platform where individuals can go to our website. They can get a certificate of completion basically for the Kaizen adaptive coach course. So I've made educational pieces now for people to go online, or I provide seminars at our gym where athletes can fly in from all over and they can learn how to coach these athletes up. So I started, you know, with a few of these certifications. um, And then I just started creating my own because in reality,
0: there's not a lot out there as far as education goes. At your gym, what Specifically, do you have, or what type of equipment do you use to cater to those unique needs that adaptive athletes face? So,
1: like I said before, our gym is a functional fitness gym. So we have everything that you would use to be better outside of the gym. So we do a lot of free weights as in like dumbbells, we do barbells. um, We do a lot of conditioning pieces. So we have skiers and rowers and bikes Basically everything you would see in like a typical CrossFit box, you have the pull-up rig. um, And then as far as adapting goes, we do a lot of our adaptive functional fitness equipment through Equip products. And they're an online um, platform where basically you can go in, you can buy jump ropes that are, that are meant for individuals that are in wheelchairs. So they're like split jump ropes. And so they give them the same stimulus as jumping rope, but it, obviously they're not going under their chair. So they split them in half so you can still rotate them around. Um, and then they also have a lot of equipment that if you are a, you know, a, a single arm athlete, so they have rowing attachments that attach to the rower, or they have handles that attach to the bike. So if you're a seated athlete and you can't physically sit on the bike, these handles go on the side so that you can sit in front of the bike. So it, let's say an echo bike from rogue fitness, you would hold onto those handles from in front of the bike. And then same thing with the skier, they make wide bases for the skierg so that your athlete can roll their wheelchair inside of the skierg and participate in the conditioning piece there. Um, I mean, the, the list is so long with different modalities and equipment that they're, that are out there. It's just a matter of fact of finding them. So if anyone is listening and they're interested in getting some of their own equipment, I would check out equip products, great place for you guys to buy. Um, and then also a lot of our athletes use active hands, which is basically if you have an athlete that has limited grip function, these grips Go on to their arm, like they're attached by the wrist and then they wrap around and, and they're able to Velcro their hand onto the piece of equipment. So if they have a barbell or dumbbell or whatever it is that they can't actually physically grasp onto this grip will make it so that they are not going to hurt themselves. They're able to hold on to the implement And, you know, of course, safety comes first for us. So making sure that that implement doesn't fly out of their hands, whether that's a kettlebell or, you know, they're, they're pushing themselves on the bike, you know, going back to the community, donating to our program, that's where we put most of our money is into the equipment for these athletes. Um, But really at the end of the day, we, we always know our scope of practice. So we're not physical therapists. We're not in the medical field. So we keep our equipment very much. So the same equipment that you or I would use. We don't have a lot of the fancy PT equipment that you would see in a actual healthcare building. Uh, We keep everything very much so fitness related. So we know our scope of practice there, but it's incredible to see them using these pieces of equipment, thinking that they would never be able to use a bike again or never jump rope again. And then they're able to do all of that.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm going to make sure that I stick with you for a minute after our conversation because I'd like to get the that information yeah. that I can put it in our show notes because you're so right that there is equipment out there. There's resources available, but a lot of people just don't know where to look. Mm-hmm. I live in upstate New York and I went to an adaptive golf exhibition, maybe, mm-hmm. but it's amazing the technology that is out there and it yes. Exists. There were men and women out there that were missing limbs. They maybe were paralyzed on their right side. They're still able to adapt to them, yep, and to have them swing a golf club, yeah, that they never thought they could do again. And then you just see the look on their face and the smile and they light up, and mm-hmm. it's like it's like it gives them this like renewed sense of purpose. Do you see that in your athletes?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And one of our, to be very specific, we had an individual that started with us that was injured very young and he was in a motorcycle accident that left him paralyzed basically from the chest down. So those are considered tetraplegics. So they have very limited grip. They have limited trunk control. But, um, when he started with us extremely depressed, he was very, very young and, you know, wouldn't talk to anybody came in super, you know, just, you could just see it in his eyes. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to do life anymore. He he was over it. And fast forward to today, he comes to our facility four times a week, extremely consistent, and he has changed completely. I mean, he, he hangs out with other athletes outside of the gym. They go to dinner together. They go out and um, he does activities with me outside of the gym. So I do a lot with Team Hoyt which, um, they make basically, um, they, and they give the opportunity for adaptive athletes to be included in races, whether that's a 5k, a marathon, half marathon triathlons. And so I do a lot with that here in Virginia beach. We're part of their chapter here. And so I've gotten those individual like our adaptive athletes involved in this program where basically they're in racing chairs and they're being pushed by someone like you and I who can run with them. And, um, so I kind of put it out to our adaptive athletes and, you know, it, it takes a lot for a grown man to say, yeah, I, I want you to push me in a half marathon, you know, and sure enough, he agreed to doing a triathlon with me and he had a huge smile on his face the whole time. He got to go in a, a raft and basically I swam with the raft wrapped around my waist and then I biked with him. Um, and he was in a chair that was tied to my bike. And then I ran with him and he was in a racing chair in front of me. And I mean, just to see him having that smile on his face, or he felt like he was part of something again, it was the most rewarding thing to be a part of. And and all of a sudden, you know, yes, I was tired. I was fatigued. I would, I was going through a lot, but I would never in a million years say anything because of everything he's been through. My, you know, acute aches and pains have no bearing Um, But it's just so incredible to see them light up when they feel like they're part of something. And I think that's bringing hope to the adaptive community that people actually care about these individuals and they want to see them thrive, not just, oh, you know, we'll put him in the corner and he'll do his own thing. Like, no, we're including you in everything we're doing. And I think there needs to be more of that just so that these individuals feel like they're part of something.
0: I have covered a lot of events this past year for Team Hope, and I haven't seen this specifically with our athletes, but I'm at the finish line a lot for these 510k marathons, mm-hmm. and you see a, quite a few people, you know, pushing someone across. Oh,
1: good. And
0: it's, I mean, it's emotional from from the sideline. I, I can't even, I mean, being a part of that and getting to have that moment and share that with somebody, I, can't, I imagine that's incredibly powerful emotional.
1: Very much so. Yeah.
0: And they get and
1: It's almost like you guys get to struggle together. The team gets to struggle together and it has been very eye-opening for them to kind of give up a little bit of their ego and sit in a chair, you know, a, a grown adult sitting in a chair being pushed. I think, like I said, that's tough for, in, you know, a lot of my athletes who are previous uh, like, you know, professional baseball players, or they've been in the military, whatever it is, it's hard for them to be like, Oh, I got to kind of give up my independence a little bit to do this, but maybe in a couple of years, I'll be able to run it myself. You know? So there's things like that, that go into play, but it is extremely, it's just such a beautiful thing. And it was really cool when I did the triathlon with that one individual. Um, he didn't talk, he didn't stop talking about it for weeks to all of his buddies to all of our we have a bunch of volunteers that come in and they he just was talking about how much fun he had and and would joke that I was struggling the whole time and you know it was it was just such a bonding time with these athletes so it's it's more than just that hour I give them once a day it's um these other extracurricular things that I try to do with them
0: That's really cool. That sounds yeah. like a special moment. How important do you believe physical fitness is in the overall well-being and the rehabilitation of veterans? I think that not only from the you know, the physical side of things that comes
1: naturally, but like I've spoken about before, I'm a huge component of the mental health side of things and how that's tied into them when they do come in for fitness with our program, we take a very holistic approach. So it's not just the fitness piece, but it's also nutrition, hydration, sleep, stress, all of the things that tie in together. And a lot of the veterans that we have come in, they are undergoing a lot of stress. It's just part of the deal, whether that's from their previous job history or where they are with their impairment now, or what's to come, they carry a lot of stress. Um, And, and for us, we try to address that pretty head on. Obviously knowing my scope of practice, I just try to get them to keep coming in. That's the biggest thing because it's the second they take a few days off. It's a slippery slope. And the next thing they know, they are staying at home. They're not getting outside. They're not getting fresh air. They're not getting that interaction. So at that point, the physical side of things is at least of my worries. It's get just get in so that we can get you moving and you can get some fresh air. You can get that interaction with other individuals with similar impairments. But I'm such a huge component of the fitness space for any, any individual that walks or rolls into our facility because. That really translates over to how you handle your entire life. So if you're, you're given a hard workout for the day, are you able to successfully get through that? Then you're able to handle anything that is hard that comes your way for the rest of the day. You know, for a lot of our veterans that come in, our class starts at 4.30 PM, goes to 5.30 PM. And sometimes it is what gets them up and going for the day. It is the, you know, I, I, maybe some of them don't work and they're at home. Maybe they're like, okay, wow, I actually have to get up and eat and shower and do all these things to be part of society. And then I go to Kaizen for my hour of fitness. And then, you know, it's just, you know, an everyday being super consistent. Um, We do have a handful of uh, wounded warriors and veterans that do still work, which is incredible. And we are a huge advocate for that as well, just to be part of society and continue on. But it just bleeds over to everything else that you do. And I, and I truly believe that, you know, the more individuals that we can get off the couch and get in the gym, or even if it's not in the gym, if you go outside, get walking, and then, you know, you're able to build on that. I think that not just your physical aspect of life will improve, but your, your mental health and just everything, your family situation, your stress level. And, you know, I, I try my hardest to, be a good example for nutrition or hydration for these athletes, but, um, it is very hard still. I would say trying to get these individuals to eat better or drink well, whatever it is, that is a very, very hard thing to do. You are with these athletes one hour of the day and whatever happens the other hours of the day is it's not really in my hands. And so I, I wish that there was a better answer to that because a lot of them could solve a lot of their health problems through that as well. Um, and also, you know, you're able to recover so much better if you eat well, and if your body is already fighting so much because you're, you have a limb loss or you're a spinal cord injury, whatever it is, you need to fuel your body for not just the recovery part, but yes, for performance. And so that's a really big challenge for me is to address the holistic approach to, you know, we don't want you drinking caffeine after noon or whatever it is. And for a lot of them, it's just trying to make better habits that they can sustain. That's a huge part of them coming to our facility is that, you know, this is something that we want them to do for the rest of their lives.
0: Well, you mentioned the free class and the donations, the community support. How can the listeners and supporters contribute or get involved with your adaptive gym and its mission, especially if they're not in Virginia.
1: So we just actually started, um, our website, which is kaizenadaptivetraining.org. And within that website, you can go on and we have protocols for different injuries, whether that's neuromuscular neurological amputee, uh, we have invisible wound section as well. So your TBIs, PTSD athletes, um, and basically if I was someone that lived in Kansas, couldn't come to Virginia beach and take one of our online or in-person seminars, then they're able to go onto our website. And if you have an athlete or if they are themselves, someone who is an amputee or has an invisible wound, they're able to learn how to, adjust and adapt these workouts for themselves or for someone that has a similar impairment. We also offer a online Kaizen adaptive coach course as well. And that basically gives them a certificate of completion. It says, Hey, I'm giving you all the tools here, all the education it's self-paced and they can go through it. And then some other options are they can donate to our program through our website as well. And that goes directly into our program to make sure that they get the equipment and modalities they need. And then also we're a huge component of trying to get our program out as much as possible. So if you're a gym owner and you want to start an adaptive program inside your gym, then we would, we have an affiliate program where basically an individual could purchase our affiliate fee, which is just, you know, throughout the year. And then they get the opportunity to have all of the education, all of the paperwork you get all of the things that I have spent four years trying to develop this program, basically I'm giving you all the tools and tricks that you need in order to have your own adaptive program. Cause a lot of people just have a hard time doing their are their like starting up their facility. Um, so basically I would give them all of the education for that.
0: It sounds like you have a lot going on with that. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you guys are doing and I love that you're able to come on today. And once again, I'll include your website information, different resources, um, about adaptive equipment, resources that are available for veterans. And, um, you know, I hope we can work together in the future as well. And I just appreciate you being on today. Of course. I, I want to be able to give
1: back to those that have, they have given so much to, to each of us. They deserve, all the love. They deserve all the support and they deserve to have people that are backing them a hundred percent. Um, we, we feel very close to the military community here just because of Virginia beach, you hear everything that's going on, or you see things that are going on, or you have friends or family that are married into the military circle. And what they have to go through on a day-to-day, we have no, or myself, definitely, I don't really understand it. You know, I I don't, I'm not in it with them, but I have so much respect for the military and the military families. And this is my way of giving back to that population.
0: I love that. And I love the idea of giving back yeah. and what you're doing is really special and unique. Thank you. I just, For everyone that's involved uh, at your gym and the adaptive athletes that are getting that time and that independence. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Now that we've heard from Emily, I'm thrilled to bring on my next guest, retired Sergeant Major Kevin Bittenbender, who served for 34 years before retiring in 2018. Kevin deployed several times, and as a result of combat deployments, he was exposed to burn pits, causing him extreme health problems, which eventually led to an amputation below his knee. Since 2015, Hope has supported Kevin throughout his recovery journey, but before I dive into this interview, I want our listeners to know there are so many layers to Kevin's story, and peeling all of that back quite honestly would take days so i'm going to attach some links in the show notes for you to check out i would highly recommend clicking on the pittsburgh marathon video that moment happened in may of 2023 444 days after kevin's leg amputation he completed the marathon and it was such a beautiful moment Speaking of moments and memories, Kevin, the first time we spoke, it was such a great conversation. And I told you, yeah, I'd love to run a marathon. And your response was, well, what's stopping you? And I'll be very honest with you. I had nothing to say. There was no words that came to my mind because I was like, he's right. <laughs> what is stopping me? Um You are just such a great example of somebody that just keeps pushing. And I love that you motivate everyone around you. And it's so inspiring. And we've talked a lot about your journey in the past and, you know, how you got involved with Hope. But for our listeners, why did you connect with Hope back in
2: 2015? So uh, Hope gifted me with my first hand cycle Uh, at an event. It was a 5K event uh, up in Long Island. Uh, I got to meet some great, great folks. I got to meet uh, Bobby Dove. Um, he also uh, was uh, gifted his hand cycle uh, during that same same race. And first time sitting in it, um, I set out on a 5K, <laughs> not knowing anything about, you know, shifting the gears or, or you know, it was kind of like trial by error. Um, but I completed the the 5K. And I thought, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, it's, I I can, you know, it's, it's given me a foundation uh, of, you know, of getting out and about, and it totally changed my perspective uh, when I looked at myself in the mirror. Um, And I tell you the, uh, over the course of time, uh, throughout all my amputations, uh, which uh, resulted in the loss of my leg if hope wasn't there for me uh, and introduced me to that hand cycling, then um, I probably wouldn't have gotten through to where I am now. One thing that, that hope gave me was working outside my comfort zone. And, you know, and over the time, you know, there's, there's this equation that hope has, has instilled in me with P3 and turning on the AC, you know, it's, it's, it's just an equation that it's easy to, um, to know and learn it's more of a recipe than an equation that you have to have every bit of these, these ingredients in this, this equation in order to, to be successful, to be, you know, um, of good spirit, of good mind, mental health. And that's uh, the first P is purpose. Uh, and hope gave me this purpose as to just getting out and getting out and about on my own physical will, you know, it's uh, and abilities. I was limited in what I could do as far as running, Um, uh, obviously, but I wanted to get out outside of that mindset. So the purpose and that purpose turned into a passion. So the second P that is passion. Uh, I became very passionate about just doing events, going out and trying, you know, my best to where, you know, the following year, um, I did the Marine Corps marathon, uh, in a hand cycle. And that was really my first marathon I, I, I had done. But the biggest P is part of something bigger than myself. So hope gives me that. It gets me out amongst my fellow veterans and where I can ride alongside of them, um, on the ride with them and motivate them to even, you know, challenge them to hey, get ahead of me and uh, and and finish the race. Turning on the AC is 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 difficult too. The um, for the longest time after my my first amputation, the A is attitude. My attitude was pretty poor. And with a poor attitude, you get poor results. But that attitude changed when I started to be, you know, around HOPE staff uh, and the other veterans that were out, whether they were running, hand cycling, doing whatever it is that they they wanted to do, but they were out amongst ourselves. And that really changed my whole attitude. But the C that we talked about so often is, is comfort zone. One thing that HOPE gives is is getting and pushing yourself outside that comfort zone. You know, when I had my amputation, you know, the the first thing that I wanted to challenge myself was, okay, I'm going to be able to run that, you know, and I want to run. But what is it that I can do to run? Um, so I just set myself my, my sights on doing a marathon. It's like, you know, uh, I'll try to do, you know, I'll do a 5k before that. But the whole thing it is as a year from uh, from now, I want to do a marathon. So when I had my amputation of, uh, on February 17th, of 2022. Pittsburgh was always the kind of like the culminating marathon that I wanted to do because it was like full circle. The first big marathon I'd done with uh, with Hope was really Pittsburgh. And I thought, well, it's the hardest marathon I've ever done because it's the hilliest. Um you go over seven bridges and it's just mind-blowing as far as, you know, uh, as far as mental toughness that you have to have. So uh I talked to my <laughs> I spoke to my surgeon and my surgical team about, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this, this marathon. That's, that's what I'm going to do next year. Because they asked me this, you know, what, what's your goals? And I said, well, I'm going to run a marathon. And uh, they're like, okay, well, they're figuring well, you know, maybe three, four or five years from now. Yeah. You can do this marathon. And I said, no, I'm going to do it next year. I'm going to do the Pittsburgh marathon. And uh, they said, you know, when is this Pittsburgh marathon? And at the time I said, well, it's in May. So you're not running in May, which was only 90 days um, from, from my amputation. So <laughs> I said, no, I'm going to hand cycle that. And I did. I, and you know, I promised my surgeons and, you know, I, I, listen, I'll take care of myself. I'll stop about every five miles and I will, I'll check everything. I'll check the wound site. Cause I still had staples and, and stitches and, you know, and, um, they're like, okay, as long as you take care of yourself we don't want infection and stuff like that. I said, okay. And, um, so I did the, did the marathon, but my, um, Lynn, who was my, um, uh, was on my surgical team, Lynn Lynn Eckro. I kind of challenged her. I said, you know, well, if I'm running it, you want to run it? And she's like, okay, if you're going to run it, I'll run it with you. And, um, and sure enough, she changed and she trained for the entire year. Um, And that was kind of like my motivation too. You know, it's like part of something bigger than yourself. You know, she was there, you know, she called and say, Hey, how's your training going? How's, How's things going? You know. Uh, are you running yet? Because in essence, I, I really didn't start running, uh, for a hundred, I think it was 167 days after my surgery. Um, I was cleared to try to run, which instantly holds the record at Walter Reed. So, uh, you know, the, they're like, wow, you know, okay, this guy is, you know, pretty committed to, to running. <laughs> and, um, so that's where my training began. And, um, you know, we were both on schedule to, to train, I had a couple setbacks here or there, just with you know with wound care and, uh, and pressure sores. But that motivation of pushing yourself outside that comfort zone really kind of changes a person's mindset because you started to you know, hey, I can do this. There's nothing stopping me to do this. And then along the way, I challenged some other folks to run with us and you know to run alongside. And that motivated me because seeing them that they were there to support me. Um, as much as they said, I was there to support them. You know, it was kind of like a a give and take, you know, from that, you know, that being that in that comfort zone, I I tried to push myself a little bit more. Um, most recently I I got an opportunity to go out to Arizona, uh, last week with the Cincinnati Reds uh, baseball camp and I hadn't played baseball since, oh my God, like 30 plus years. You know, it was the last time I, I swung a bat with it. And I played softball, but never, you know, hardball. You know, I I, I played baseball and growing up, high school and college. Um, and I thought those days were like long, long gone. I decided to you know go and challenge myself uh, again, being outside that comfort zone, swinging a bat uh, as an amputee. Um, from playing golf as an amputee, all these things were presented to me. You know you know, through the, the graciousness of hope because of, you know, that challenge. And again, being challenged like that occupies your mind to be somewhere else to where you're not concentrating on the dark side of things and the folks and the people and the fellow, you know, athletes that I've met um, through hope is just the friendships and bonds that, that we formed uh, through these events. It's just amazing. So this year, um, Again, I'm going to work outside my comfort zone and uh, I signed up for 10, 10 races. I'm looking really looking forward to this year ending, <laughs> but I think the culmination of, of everything that's all the races um, and, you know, that I'm going to be doing is just going to be really cool. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, um, maybe seeing some new faces and making some new faces with, with team hope. Um, that I hope that folks that wanted to maybe run alongside me, um, or run in front of me or behind me, whatever, uh, just being out there in support of hope and, um, having others to, you know, to do that, to push others, to challenge them, uh, to challenge yourself. You know, um, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that hope provides, you know, it provides hope. It provides you know, the ability to just be out there and being your best.
0: I love all of that so much. And I going back to Pittsburgh, that was such an incredible moment to see you cross the finish line and hearing that story never gets old to me because just hearing the progression and the that that really was the culmination of so much time, so much energy, so much support from hope to get mm-hmm. to the point.
2: I don't know if I fight if i really would have been able to do it without the support system i had and had have had with uh, with hope i know that it would have been a lot more difficult but it was just i don't know i, I just i owe so much to to hope i owe my life to hope i mean I, I honestly i don't i know that i wouldn't be here because i was going down you know this uh this drain i was circling the drain um, on my first amputation, and you know that small gesture, which was huge in my eyes, as far as a hand cycle, and it introduced me to something an activity that you know kind of pushed me again outside that comfort zone, but pushed me to my physical limits to you know to say, hey, you know, I I can do this. And there's folks that are you know investing in me to be successful, and and hope does that to every individual that I think that they touch and they they reach out to and help that, you know, it's like, Hey, you, we have a vested interest in you, you know, to, you know, to stick around and to be around and to help others and to inspire others and to introduce others to us. You know, I know that everyone that I've introduced to hope has just had like an amazing experience and an amazing you know, I've, I've had folks come to me and say, you know, they too probably wouldn't be there if it weren't for uh, for hope. So,
0: well, thank you. And thank you for being such a ambassador for hope and introducing so many people to hope because you're making a huge difference in their lives and in all of our lives. So,
2: <laughs> you know, I Griff was- um, Griff uh, had come up with a, a great idea with hope um, that we had at the at the gala uh, last year uh, the golfing outing and that's to you know to challenge each other to reach out to 20 22 folks over the next 22 days so one person a day over the next 22 days and to just ask them to do the same thing and i know that i try to do that at every event that i go to and and speak at and i encourage everyone that is maybe watching this zoom is to do the same is to you know make a phone call today uh, to one person. Uh, tell them how much they mean to the, to you and that you're there for them if they should fall on some part times and challenge them to do the next, the same thing over the next 22 days and to challenge the next person, next person. And, and if we did that over the next 22 days, we'd be over 2000 folks that we'd be be reaching. That's my, that's that's the only challenge. And, you know, it may be outside your comfort zone to do. And that's the perfect thing to do then. You know, you may not feel comfortable. Well, I'm not going to, I feel kind of awkward picking up the phone and calling someone and hey, that's all about comfort zone.
0: I'm a caller. It can never hurt to just call and (laughs) say hello.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hey, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: To any of the veterans or the members of our military community that are listening that maybe they're in a situation where they're looking into adaptive sports. Hmm? what what advice would you give to them because i'm sure that is stepping out of your comfort zone absolutely like that. there's
2: you know there's a, a ton of organizations that um that are out there all you have to do is just google you know hand cycling whether you want to hand cycle on the road uh, they have off road hand cycling uh if you want to run there's track and field things uh, that you want to want to run adaptive I, unfortunately there's a lot of uh, races that don't acknowledge like hand cycling or push rim, uh, wheelchair uh, type races. So you have to really do some research in that aspect. But we have a great uh, director, Jenna, Jenna McDonald. She will actually do the footwork for you, you know, uh, to say, hey, what is it that you want to get into? Do you want to run a 5K? You want to run a 3K? You know, do you want to do a 10 miler, a 10K, a marathon, a half marathon? Whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and what is it that you want to do? Do you want to do hand cycling? Do you want to do running? Do you want to push rim? There are some events that actually uh, do relays. So you can do a marathon, but you wouldn't do the whole marathon, but your team could do the whole marathon and just do a relay. So you just kind of like run like uh, five to six miles uh, in increments and tag the next person and they run that, uh, the next portion. Um, I know Pittsburgh does that. You can uh, run with a friend, you know, you can challenge yourself uh, by running alongside someone. So there, there's really no excuse to do it. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of opportunities. Um, if you're looking into hand cycling, there's, uh, some places that offer the ability to go and try hand cycling. If you're not familiar with hand cycling and you don't want to just, you know, jump in one and go out and do it, there's a lot of organizations that that offer, you know, uh, hand cycling. I'll put it this way: there's no excuse that if uh, if you want to hand cycle with me, you can use my first hand cycle that that Hope had gifted me uh, to use. And all you have to do is just contact through Hope and say, you know, hey, I want to go do this with Kevin, and and um, and I'll bring my other hand cycle along. Um, so there's no excuse that you know a person can't can't go out and, and do something what's so great about hope is that if you're looking for immediate gratification hope can help uh Im- you know immediately um so you just have to say hey yeah i like to i'm interested in doing this and being part of team hope and to do some of the, some events reach out to uh, to jenna um and she will put you on the pathway of success it's great. You know, you have uh, accountability. So if you have, you know, uh, a person here reaching out to you saying, Hey, how's your training going? I just got an email from Jenna the other day, a text and saying, how's your training going? How's things going? You know, what is it that I can do to help you? And all you have to do is say, yeah, I need help in this or that. And, um, and they'll make it work. So that's, that's, what's so great about team hope, you know, and the folks that are competing and, and, and running these events, your initial goal should just be to finish. And that's all I, you know, every, every marathon I do, that's my goal is to finish. So whatever I do, it's, it's, you know, I'm not here to set a land speed record. I'm not here to, you know, do PRs. I just want to finish, you know, if you see the finish line, if you visualize the finish line, sooner or later, the finish line is going to be there for you.
0: That's a perfect way. To end this conversation because that resonates with me, and I'm sure that will resonate with all of our listeners. So, Kevin, thank you so much for being on today and sharing with no, us. No,
2: thank today. you for having me. And, you know, I, I'd love to come back and talk more if, uh, you know, um, if there's other folks out there that, you know, that are interested, please reach out to Hope. Please reach out to me. Reach out to someone that I'll that's tell that's you how to do it. It's probably the hardest thing to do is to make that phone call. And for veterans, it's probably the toughest thing to do is to ask for help. I'm telling you right now, if I didn't ask for help, I wouldn't be here.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow us, leave a review, and stay connected on our social media platforms for video content uploaded weekly. Until next time, keep in mind... A little kindness goes a long way. Hope, it's what our military community needs today.